Hi, listeners. So, this is our little podcast. We are taking a look at various love songs in a post-post-Valentine's world. Love is in the air. Love is the season. As my mom would say, love is everywhere. You just gotta look for it. So, today, we're gonna be looking for that in these pieces of music we have chosen, which, you know, I think are all quite different. Show a lot of artistic range and shows just how many different ways there are to interpret this feeling known as love. Um, the song that I chose is Absolutely Cuckoo by The Magnetic Fields. And I'm not the biggest Magnetic Fields fan in the world. A lot of people who like The Magnetic Fields, they really like The Magnetic Fields. They really like, like them. Um, one of my friends has probably listened to everything that The Magnetic Fields have done. And I've only listened to, probably I've never even listened to their the entirety of their album, 16 I Love Songs, but this is the opener. And I think it, you know, it really sets the tone for the rest of the album, as well as introduces you to uh, Stephen Merritt as a songwriter, if you had not heard their work before. It has a lot of elements that I think are really uh, unique to him. He certainly takes a lot of uh, influence from the Great American Songbook. You know, we're talking Gershwin, we're talking Lawrence and Hearts, we're talking Rodgers and Hammerstein, you know, just like everyone, Hoagie Carmichael, we could just keep going. Some Duke Ellington too, you know, one of the best, Scott Joplin. Um, but yeah, so, the, and it has this sense of just like, you know, how those songs, I find one, you know, why we call it the Great American Songbook is, you know, it's it's the closest thing I think we have to like a real cultural, like, musically like a real cultural export where these pieces of music had like such a, a, a hold over people they were interpreted so many different times by so many different artists um and what i what i think is great about them is that every artist can sing these songs and reinterpret them and give them their own flavor and i think with stephen merritt's work in the magnetic fields especially with this album he he writes literally 69 love songs it's insane how do you write 69 love songs and then each one is different stylistically that they're each touching upon i think different ideas about love which i didn't even know you could have 69 ideas about love but i guess you can um but this piece in particular it's a really interesting opener i think it's very it's short it's like a minute 30 seconds minute 50 seconds i don't think it hits two minutes so um but immediately you know you get these vocals that kind of go off in different directions they kind of get panned and I think it's a duet between himself and himself, which I think is really a cool idea, very interesting. Um, and, you know, he talks a lot about, um, you know, don't fall in love with me yet. We've only recently met. And how he is so, he as well also falls in love so easily that, you know, if the affections are not returned to him, that he will think about jumping uh went into a lake, I believe, which is, you know, not probably not the first thing you should do if you get rejected. But um, I, I think it, it, it's a really funny, it has a lot of humor to it. It's a bit campy too. And you, you got like this ukulele being played. And it's like, when is a ukulele ever used as like a central instrument in, in a popular musical song? Not, not, not that often. Um, and you get all these beautiful synth kind of like, you know, sounds and textures. There's no drums. There's, I don't really think there's like a bass line to it. It's very much like r very sparse, 
but it feels very full, very like, uh, you know, you're being welcomed into this world, this kind of, I don't know what I would call it, this kind of cool, crazy, eclectic, a little different look. There's some humor. There's a lot of humor there, obviously. It's a bit ironic, a bit, but also sincere at the same time. It, it pokes fun at a lot of these uh the, the this the um the cliches of I think love songs and and these kind of the way that we write about them in general and but at the same time also understands that there's a reason that these things like keep coming up why this emotion keeps coming up why people keep writing about it because it's sincere because it's human and you can make fun of it but you also have to you know take part in it as well a bit so I, I guess my question to you folks is how do you think like when you heard the song what were your initial reactions did 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 you feel kind of this sense of like what you would usually think about in a love song the lyrical content the the instrumentation uh, and the production did did it read to you like that did it give you a bit more of like i don't know this is something different that i haven't heard done before and did you feel like it like i was talking about did, was it taking from the great american song but was it being inspired by other things you may have heard along the way it gave me like this kind of like indie movie type of love vibe. I don't know if you get that, but it's funny because, and I'm sorry if this doesn't answer your question, but the notes I wrote down when I was listening are two things you already like talked about, but like how it's like ironic, like especially with that that first line, um, don't fall in love with me yet. I love it when like love songs start off like that because it's like, it adds a little bit of, a little bit of spice. And then also like the minimalism, it evokes like intimacy to me. And so like, I guess like how you said it, like it sounds full, but at the same time, like it's super like just sparse and kind of like you feel like close to the sound. And I think something about that just like makes, for me, it just makes it like feel like a love song. Yeah, when I first heard it, my first impression was I've just seen a face by the Beatles. It reminded me a lot of that, of like the style and everything. But what was different really stuck out to me. Like you said, the duet between himself and himself, like you hear the voices just lightly overlap and the phrase illusions and the enjambment, it captured like the sense of insecurity and anxiety that you get when you first fall in love with someone. And like Allison said, it was totally indie movie love and middle school my middle school life was an indie movie, so it just reminded me of my middle school crushes and all that kind of stuff. I think that the indie movie, uh, yeah, it really does feel like an indie movie. You're being welcomed into something, which I think is, uh, you know, a lot of indie movies are taking from the sounds of, of these sort of songs, the sounds of these artists uh, to create that sort of feeling. One thing I really like about this song, which I usually will hate in most other pieces of music, is when two lines rhyme, like like every line is just like a rhyme, a rhyme, a rhyme. It's just pairs. And usually that's like, in my opinion, like when I hear that, it's like, oh, usually that's done by very young songwriters. You know, you think moon, June, gloom, boom. Like it just, many, many, you know, years ago, uh, decades ago, when, when songs were being written in like the 40s and the 50s, and they're very simple and very kind of like a, a bit hokey, um, they would just have these paired rhymes that are like very basic. You, you, anyone could have come up with them, I would guess. But when I hear this, I'm like, it's 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 pretty interesting that that's the choice he makes to just rhyme everything because it also adds to that feeling. I think of insecurity of like you know he's just kind of speaking off his mind immediately and like saying all these things that you know 
um, sometimes when you're really in that emotional space of, of, of uh, you know, falling for someone and, and feeling really just like you, you want it to work out almost like you want it to work out more than you actually like the person. I think some that happens to me a lot. Um, but it, it, it ends up, uh, created, like, it sounds very scattered and very like, he's saying so much that he should not be saying, but at the same, it's like, but we've all been there. And, and I think that's really important. You never want to talk about, no one ever wants to write a song about how, you know, you're, you, they're kind of failing at, at, at serenading someone or failing at kind of courting someone. Uh, and, and, and I love the, the, the last few lines. Um, it's only fair to tell you I'm absolutely cuckoo, you know, just, just putting it right out there being like, yep, I'm a nutcase and, you know, I'm just looking for the right person, but I'm also just looking for the person, a person, you know. It's almost a little too tender, at least in terms of the sound, the instrumentation, the vocal timbre. I think it's kind of funny in that way that it reads as like so soft, almost like it's poking fun at itself, which is nice. A lot of self-deprecation, a lot of, and if you, if you've seen Stephen Merritt interviewed, he's a very ornery guy, very like, yeah, I wouldn't say grumpy, but very kind of like blunt and, and, and matter of fact and just has his, his, how he sings is how he talks. It's very low bass voice. And it's just so, it's, yeah, there's just so, I, I love that self-deprecation, just poking fun and, and, and it is tender. It is excruciatingly tender. Um, and, you know, but, but love can be that way sometimes. Sometimes you got to just, you know, uh, get the little, get, get the baby talk out and just, you know, kind of be a baby for a second too so my song is como te quiero by krongbin gonna expose myself the first time i listened to this song i was like this has to play at my wedding or i'm not getting married um just because like that's like i don't know if you've ever felt like that feeling when like a song makes you blush like when a song is just so good that it's like wait i'm embarrassed because it's like it's like everything that you've been like looking for in a song. So yeah, it's like one of my favorite songs ever, but um, Como Te Quiero means how I love you. Um, and I see it as like an answer to the first song on this album, Con Todo El Mundo. Uh, uh, the first song is Como Me Quieres. And basically that means how do you love me or how much do you love me? And the story behind that song is that her name is Laura Lee. She's like the, I think she's the singer in Krongbin, um, but they don't really have like, she's the speaker. Let's say the speaker. Cause she kind of just like whispers in the background, but basically like her grandfather was like, before he passed away, he would ask her, how much do you love me? And the only answer he would accept was with all of the world. So that's why the, the song is, uh, the album is called Con Todo El Mundo. And then I kind of see like Como Te Quiero as an answer to that as well. And so I guess like one of, one of the things I was thinking about this Valentine's Day is like a like non-romantic type of love. And I didn't even like realize that this song had like a backstory of being like um, showcasing her love like to to her grandfather. And so like I was like, oh, that like fits like what I was thinking about like kind of perfectly. So yeah. That's all I have to say about that. But I guess one of the questions that I was thinking of was just like, specifically because this song, like it has like words, but they're very faint. And like, they're like so faint that you almost like don't even notice that they're there. So I guess 
it's just like not even in specifically considering this song but it can be in any song like what makes a song a love song when it's only like instrumentally like when it's only an instrumental because like like how can it like achieve that like feeling of being full of like happiness and like just like love for another person and it's specifically in like a non-romantic type of relationship I mean I think for me it can be purely associative like either associations that I have with hearing the song at a certain time or place or with a certain person or like cultural associations I have with romantic music whether that be through like movies where they're certain songs are used in more romantic scenes or scenes that depict some kind of love or I mean anything in um, media where certain sounds are associated with love in some way yeah I mean (laughs) if anyone wants to speak more to that that'd be cool yeah I totally agree with Liv and like the cultural associations with sounds and whether it's chord progressions or melodic lines, um, I feel like now that I'm in college, I try to listen not so analytically. So when you sent that song, um, it was really cool. There was like a language barrier, I think, for all of us. So it just really proves how universal that sense of love was for all of us. And I feel like when I was listening to it, it was like I was in a really warm blanket. And that's all I really focused on. I didn't listen too hard. It was just me settling into the ambiance, And it was really nice. I was going to say, um, yeah, that's both really good points. And like, I feel like when I have associations with certain songs, like to preserve the, my associations with them, I kind of have to like be listening to them in a certain setting. And like, cause it's like something like sacred about it to me where like, if I'm playing this song in the car, like literally no one can say a single word because like, I, I want it to stay like sacred in that kind of sense. So yeah, but then it can also be like having like associations with a song and especially in relation to another person, uh, it can be kind of bad because then if that person isn't a part of your life anymore, then it's like, you don't want to listen to that song anymore. And it makes that song all of a sudden, like it's not a good song anymore. So yeah, that's the flip side. That's honestly interesting that you bring that up because I know that's a really common phenomenon um personally I feel like if I ever like lose touch with someone or have some kind of falling out whether it's like friendship or romantic whatever songs we had together still for me retain those purely positive memories like I've never had a song ruined for me because to me the song is like a portal into the good times for whatever event it was i I don't know if that's just me, but I, I was I guess I was wondering if anyone else experiences that. For me, um, more so than what kills a song being being the like the the things that uh, the people associate with that song in my life, but more so like once I've played a song or or covered a piece of music um, and I've kind of let it go out into the world, that's when my 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 di- I almost disconnect from the song for a while and can't listen to it for a bit. Because it's like, I don't know, I guess it's like, it's place in your life, like for me, at least as, as a musician, it's like place in my life is important up to the point where I feel like I, I've expressed what that song is trying to express. And once I've done that, it's like, you know, if, if I if I if I feel comfortable with the way that I did it, then it's kind of hard to go back and listen to someone else 
doing the song and being like, oh yeah, it hits the same way. Cause it now, now it's like you, you've kind of seen it through maybe a different lens, but I also thought um, something that you said, Allison, that was very important uh, is, is thinking about music and listening to it with other people and have hearing these songs with other people when you're, you know, you have such a close association with it when it means so much to you personally. Um, you know, there's some music that I love to death that I, you know, is, is if, if it was my soul transcribed into, into sound waves, those would be the pieces of music I'd want to represent those, uh, and that. But I think sometimes when you try to show people, even your closest friends, some of the music that you, that you uh, hold so dearly to your heart, and if their reactions aren't the the way you want them to react, the way that you you want you the way that you feel about this music, when people don't feel that way about it, it it's for me it's a bit heartbreaking, and also can be a bit uh, like mm, like I know it's not like oh they don't get it because it's like what is there to get? It's it's very subjective, but it's also like it, it's just so weird how music can have that particular effect certain just certain types of songs sometimes can have such a great effect on someone's life and then someone else hears it and they're like this is uh, not 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 so much the same yeah that's kind of crazy how like a song can be like y- you can like feel like so deeply like linked to it and in a way that like can't be communicated to someone else when like you're sharing it with them and so yeah that kind of sucks because it's like when you share a song with someone, like you're right, like you do want them to be able to share the same feeling that you receive from listening to that song and interacting with that song. But that's like, they're only hearing like the sounds. They're not experiencing the feeling that you are getting. So yeah, interesting. I chose Close to You by The Carpenters because my mother used to sing it to me Uh, to go to sleep when I was a little baby. This song has become increasingly important to me throughout my life. It has always symbolized a kind of motherly love to me. Um, But then when I saw Todd Haynes' movie, Superstar, the Karen Carpenter story, that was really influential because it's made with Barbie dolls and Todd Haynes is my favorite filmmaker. Um, And it really got into the tragedy of her life and the mythology around her as a figure. Similarly, uh, Dr. Mitchell Morris here at UCLA has a book called (laughs) The Persistence of Sentiment, Display and Feeling in Popular Music of the 1970s. And he has a chapter about Karen Carpenter. So yesterday I took a look at that. I thought about Karen and this song and everything and I was like, all right, I got to really figure out what this means to me. So the thing about Karen Carpenter is that she died very young from heart failure um, because she had anorexia. And she was one of the first people to really publicly go through that. And it's brutal to watch interviews with her and documentaries about her because she wholeheartedly denies it. There you know, treatment was not great at this time. Public knowledge was not there. And then she has this beautiful, really deep, rich voice basically coming out of this like dying, frail body. And I don't mean to be so dark, but it's like, I mean, when I was like going through the same struggle that she went through, it was just, it was insane to to think about 
her life. And like, I don't know, I just, <laughs> I, I get, I get emotional about these things because it reminds me of my mother. It reminds me like how disappointed my mother was in me when I was really sick. And, you know, thinking about Karen Carpenter and, and her singing this song and then my mother singing the song to me, there's just a lot in there. But um, what I wanted to comment on were, were two things. So first off in, um, in Mitchell's chapter, um, he talks about how Karen Carpenter is mic'd really close to her mouth. Like it sounds like you're standing right next to her. Like she's just whispering in your ear, which sort of evokes this nurturance and also this like eroticism that he writes about um, sort of where, I mean, he, he sort of compares like the way that the singer's mouth adapts to your imagination to like the way that a mouth might adapt to another mouth when they're kissing. Just a thought. But so there, there's that element where I don't think it's too hard to read into this song and her voice. I don't think it's too hard to read like a love into it, like whether it's an erotic love or <laughs> a, a motherly love. Um, the second thing being the the sort of discordance between her body and her voice. So, yeah, I guess first off, you can feel free to respond to either question here. But thinking about like how the voice can evoke intimacy, if you want to respond to that or like technologies for recording can evoke intimacy. Um, the other thing would be how the knowledge of the destruction of her body inflects the way we hear her voice, given that her body is sort of always present in our mind when we hear recordings, um, sort of thinking about like the loss of her body, the loss of her life, the loss of childhood, if this was a song that you grew up with too, as well as like the loss that is inherent in recordings. So if you don't want to address such a dark topic, um, no worries. But yeah, I was wondering, like, also, do you guys have any connection to this song or to the Carpenters? I think sentimentality is also a good thing to bring in here. That's the whole reason um, Mitchell writes about her. That's all I have. Thanks. I think my mom told me that this was like a song for her and my dad. Um, I don't know if it got played at their wedding or something, but I know that this, she really loved the song. And I remember when it appeared in the Simpsons movie. She was like, oh my God. Like back way back in 2007. I, I even remember that. I was like, oh my God, that song. Um, that might've been the first time it uh, it had uh, appeared to me. It is a masterpiece. It, 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 it was kind of in, it wasn't just through like like pop culture, like osmosis or whatnot. It was like actually like, oh, I, I, I'm hearing this song now. I'm hearing it for the first time. And it's like, oh my God. Um, but I think, yeah, there's there is this 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 intimacy created in the way that they're recording her voice, and I think for me the human voice is like the most special instrument. Um, and I can say that because I'm a singer, but I also play other instruments. And people people are too hard on singers because singing is not easy. We we all know this. It's hard to get good at it, and it and it's really hard to capture the voice correctly because, you know, I mean you do lose a lot of the inherent quality that you would get in a room uh, when you are recording someone so close, miking them so closely. Um, you're getting a lot of breath and you're getting a lot of uh, what I like to call, what are called, I think, the resonators, you know, your teeth and your gums and your tongue. You, you, you hear those things a lot more. They're a lot more present. You hear breath. and uh, 
how many more elements are present when creating uh, the sound of song, when creating the sound of the human voice singing. Uh, and I think they did such an excellent job of like, the only way you could get any closer was if you were, if she sang this song right in your face, even if you saw the song played live, it would not be the same experience because there's a lot more space probably between you and the artist now. Um, but with this, like, you know, you take that little, uh, that, that piece of music, you put it on your CD or you put it on a plan on your Spotify or your record or whatnot, and you hear it and it just immediately, it's like um, her voice just comes in and it's right there. It's very present and very like your attention as lush as the uh, orchestration is for this piece of music. Your attention is on, I think, on her voice the entire time. It just draws you in so easily. And um, also to comment on uh, your second question, because I, I too uh, did a lot of thinking on this when I was talking about Billie Holiday um, for one of my presentations, um, you know, how, how much we do, uh, you know, in, put uh, project onto musicians, especially when we have the, the after knowledge of where they were at the time of recording certain pieces of music and how that influences how we interpret those pieces of music. You know, we, we, we project, a, we can end up projecting a lot of things that might not be the case, might not be why the person is singing the way that they are singing. You know, we, we tend to want to believe that like they're living. These, these performances are so good because the people performing them are living in those songs, are, are alive through those songs when, you know, um, as beautiful as some recordings are, sometimes people just go in and they can do it. Like they don't even have to think about it. It's just, they're there. Sometimes people get very into it creates such a close relationship between them and their performance of a song that it becomes a, a bit of, I think, a personal, you know, reflection, but also it's like, um, you know, you, you, you can make a personal reflection of anything if you really wanted to. It's just, uh, I think songs also just have a, a particular uh, power because, you know, you hear them, you, you, you hear them and they're, they're in your ear and then they're out your ear pretty quickly, I'd say, from a majority of pieces in popular music. Um, but the resonance of it just stays with you uh, a lot longer. And, and I mean, nowadays it's a lot easier to go back to music and just listen to it over again, uh, repeat a song one, you know, after another. And back in the day when this song was probably released is you had the whole record and you played that record and the song would come on and you could always skip to it, pull the needle and like do that. But, you know, it's a bit different. There is a different that creates a different dynamic between you and the music, I think. But it's 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 yeah, we do. We do end up putting a lot of like this pain and this kind of like self-destruction onto the song, um, whether or not it needs to be there. But I also think that like this music uh if it's going to serve a purpose, uh, it needs to serve the purpose that you, that you want it to do. Um, and you need to get out of it what you want to get out of it. And it's, it's difficult to, um, you know, try to try to hear things completely unbiased, uh, or completely without context, because context will always be there and will always influence how you interpret. Um, before I was even like conscious about the close miking thing, and like breath as music when I was younger, I related to Karen's voice a lot. Like Liv said, it's very maternal and loving and I associate her voice with love. And as I grew up, I actually used to get made fun of because of how low my voice was. And they'd be like, oh, you're a girl, but your voice is so low and it's so ugly. Like when I sang, like I was an alto, like bam, preschool. Like my voice was just always really low. And 
I always had to adjust my voice and make it sound like I was talking to my in my head voice like this. And I've always had to exaggerate it. And I even struggle with that today. Um, I find myself talking in my head voice a lot and I'm adjusting the pitch of my voice. And I didn't feel secure about it until really this year. So Karen's voice was just, it's so beautiful and it's widely praised for its lowness and its richness. And I just loved her so much because of that, because it was someone I could look to as inspiration and feel more secure about myself. So just briefly going back to how Liv, you were talking about, she was mic'd like really close and it was just really close. It reminded me of a conversation that we were having in 127 last week about ASMR and how like, because like, I don't know if you guys have watched ASMR or listened to any ASMR, but like how the mic is so close. And so like, because of like that distance, it feels like super, super intimate to the point of where like ASMR is obviously like stigmatized as like really weird. And like, people are like, like don't want to like listen to it because I don't know, they think it's like too intimate or something, but I don't know. That just reminded me of that. And as far as like my associations with the song, I, I actually like on a regular basis listen to Frank Ocean's version, which is it samples Stevie Wonder's Talkbox version of Close to You. So it's like a completely different vibe. And it also has like completely different lyrics as well. But I feel like because of because of my associations with Close to You by the Carpenters, I'm like, that's like I get the same like it like being like that it's sampled and then like sampled again, I get like the same feelings like evoked through it, even though it has a completely different sound. And it's really only like the similarities are like present in like the the like background noise and like the very last line in the song. So yeah, I just thought that was interesting as I was listening to it. Okay, so the song I chose was The Louvre by Lord because I feel like it just like captures this feeling of infatuation and like falling in love with someone for the first time. And like, like I love how the chorus just like delves into this like dreamlike sequence and like the beat almost sounds like a really fast heartbeat to me, like illustrating these really intense feelings of love. And then I also love the ending because it's just like so dreamy and it just feels really reflective and nostalgic to me because it's like, like I feel like it's like the perfect soundtrack to like reminisce on like memories you've had with someone or like maybe like fantasize about like memories you could have with someone so I was just wondering what kind of emotions the song evoked for you guys I also really like the ending um I wrote like it's simple and it fades like it could go on forever and this is really corny but that's like kind of how love is (laughs) like it can go on forever and I also thought the ending was like kind of not a big but like a contrast to like the rest of the song as a whole and so in that sense it like stood out it stood out to me because it was just really intimate and yeah I had never heard this song before because I don't really listen to Lord but yeah it's great I thought the lyrics were pretty spectacular um I also uh have never really given Lord uh the chance um no, not for any bias against her. Just usually it's um, not the biggest fan of Jack Antonoff as a producer. But this was certainly a, a really uh, interesting piece of music where, especially at the part where it's, you know, megaphone in my chest, broadcast the boom, boom, boom. There's something, I don't know, very hypnotic about it. And very, like, I just wanted to keep hearing that 
being repeated over and over again. I just wanted to lose myself in it. And um, going back to what I said previously about uh, the lyrics, I, I, I think that um, for a person, and I think she was fairly young when, when this album was released and when this uh, song being on the album, it's really interesting to kind of see how she's writing about love, how she's kind of writing about this relationship with this person. Summer slipped us underneath her tongue, our days and nights, her perfume with obsession. Like the, this is like some pretty interesting uh, visual imagery as well as like just, I think, very unique. Like I don't know if I've heard lyrics describing a relationship with someone quite in the way that she does it. You know, so really uh, a, a, a very interesting piece of music, especially because it just doesn't have the sounds that I usually associate with uh, a love song. It's kind of nocturnal and a bit uh, bit dark and heavy, you know, uh, but obviously this is a very dark and heavy subject uh, that she's dealing with. Um, but yeah, it's a really beautiful, really moving uh, piece of music. Yeah, I love the lyrics too. Like, I was never a huge Lord fanatical. I have to admit, I used to think it was Lordy. So I'd be like, Lordy, 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 love her so much. <laughs> and the part where it's just like, um, we're art and we're in the back of the Louvre, but it's still the Louvre. I really like that part. And it's like she's capturing her relationship through like a, a the lens of a third person watching and how she's seeing her relationship from the outside and seeing how beautiful it is and how it's grown. I thought that was really special. Yeah, it was just really pretty. And it wasn't like the type of love where it's like, ask mommy for permission, ask daddy for permission. Do they like them? It was like, no, this is us eloping. We're traveling the world. And it's dark and bright at the same time. It feels so, so incredibly young and sincere. And I love that um, because that's how I feel. And there's also this sense that I think like before before I knew what love was I I was like oh I can I can talk about this and then I I feel like after that I was like yeah I just keep repeating myself I just don't don't even know what to say I just full of these ridiculous little overly sincere um sound bites and I feel like that is reflected here. It also reminds me of Us by Regina Spector. Same energies. It's, I, I love this like wholehearted type of love song. So pretty cheesy, but I chose Let It Be by the Beatles because when I grew up, it was the Beatles or it was the Carpenters. <laughs> like pick one. So I just have so many childhood associations with that song. Um, and it really isn't an overt love song, but when I think of that song, I think of love. When I think of love, I think of that song. And it's a song that takes me really far back in my childhood. Like, it's one of the first songs I ever remembered, like, from when I was young. Like, I have very vivid memories of listening to it and being two years old and being in, like, running around the garage while my dad's working on stuff. So I used to have, like, this little toy I forgot what it was called. It was like my music center and it was like a little red keyboard, like about a foot or a little less than two feet long. And it was just a toy. Like it made frog sounds, it made dog sounds. You could record yourself playing a simple melody on it and play it back to you. And one of the songs that I had was Let It Be, which is really odd because all these songs were in the public domain. It's like Jingle Bells. 
and like random folk or American traditional songs. And then there's Let It Be. No idea how they got past that when it comes to like licensing and stuff, but they did. And that was one of the first times I ever touched anything piano like. And obviously, I ended up playing the piano and Let It Be, really strong piano pre presence. And I knew that if I ever learned to play piano, I would want to learn that song. And I guess it was a really special way for me to connect with my dad because. A lot of our parents in the area I'm living in are immigrants that fled from the Vietnam War. And there's intergenerationality. There's a passing on of a trauma. There's me having bad memories of a war I never grew up with and I never lived through. And it's there, it's present in our community, it's everywhere. And it's something we talk about all the time. And we're not able to say specific words in specific dialects or have specific flags flying because of it. And Let It Be was just a way for me to feel content and really connect with my parents because it was a way I could connect with them without having to clash into like politics, which is obviously something we clash a lot about, um, or just tradition, values, customs, all those sort of things. And I just have really early memories of it. So for Paul, um, he had a dream. Um, it was before the Beatles were breaking up, but he could sense that it was happening. So he went super hard, like he's partying hard, he was clubbing, he was drinking and smoking a lot, I believe. And he had a dream that his mother, Mary, came to him and told him that it was all right and to just let things be and to be content and let things happen. And then people have, think this song is really religious, like especially with like the chord progressions, like amen, all over the place. Um, but for him, it's just him and his mom. So it's really beautiful just seeing from his story how so many people have different associations with it. And I have associations with that song because of childhood, my dad, and Paul's voice and the Beatles themselves. I just love them so much. I always wanted to be a Paul, but the older I get, the more I realize I'm a John and the more the other people tell me that I'm a John. Um, whatever. Both are amazing. <laughs> I love them both. So obviously, like, we've all lived through traumatic and terrible times. And that song was always when I turned to because it wasn't something that preached toxic positivity, which I absolutely despise seeing on social media, like, just be happy. Like, who cares about trauma? Just move on. Don't think of it that way. You should be happy. Make sure you're living this way. Make sure you're not looking at this. And lifestyle gurus, like, spitting stuff at me, like, no, I need to see both. Like, life is a spectrum. I can't just live and limit myself to all the happy parts or else I'm going to feel empty and I don't want to feel empty. So that song tells me to just allow things to happen, but also to not be a victim of my circumstances so that I can reflect on it. And you guys probably already know, like I'm a total Slytherin, like I'm super ambitious and I let that ambition take advantage of me to the point where I'm living way too far in the future or I'm living way too far in the past where I'm just reflecting and doing so much introspection that life is really just passing me by. So listening to that song really puts me back into the moment and it gives me the sense of love because it makes me feel content and it makes me absorb what's going around me right now. It's a way for me to collect my senses. And sorry, like this might be getting a little heavy, <laughs> but I guess my biggest questions for everyone here is, do you think love as at its essence is, is it defined? Um, is there like a singular sort of love or are there multiple different types of loves? Because for me, I guess what I'm trying to express with this song 
is that all love is the same for me at its root. If I just look deep enough, it's the same exact feeling. doesn't matter if it's romantic, if it's parental, if it's towards my siblings, my dogs, it's all the same. And another holistic question, I guess, regarding all these songs is, has your song changed for you over time? Because I know Let It Be has, especially like I'm 19 now, and obviously it means something very different to me than I was two. When I was two, I was probably thinking about like random crap. I don't even remember it too hard, uh, too much about what I was thinking about when I was two, because I it was probably wasn't coherent. So yeah, those are the questions I have for everyone here. I remember probably my first memories of music were the Beatles too. I remember uh, screaming lyrics to like Yellow Submarine out the window of my car and kind of like that was the like when I was like five or four and I was like I want to like pursue music as like my the the thing I want to do with the rest of my life like I kind of like and it hasn't changed since then and I have a lot of you know my parents uh bringing me up and raising me on this and buying me those cds that it was interesting you know it's like this interesting relationship you create with um, I don't know if your parents are uh, are, are influencing your taste and, and, and showing you music. If music is an important aspect of their lives, they're probably going to give to you what they were listening to when they were younger. But as you know, now that I think about it a lot, um, how my parents were both born in the 50s, so they're a bit older. Um, and uh, we're, we're going through, we're alive when all this music was coming out for the first time. Um, and so it must have been a very interesting thing, you know, when I was like in the early 2000s, just a young little little cat, and and they were buying like the White Album and stuff on CD and like playing it. And it must have been such like a, you know, I would have been this, they would have been that that age when they were first hearing that music. But um, I think like, as you're talking about as these, you know, you get older as these songs mean different things. I always, for me, I always um, will have like a good portion of a year like or every couple of years I'll have a good portion of whatever year it is where I'm just like listening to everything the Beatles did for a while just because I'm like listening to it with fresh ears and listening to it with a different kind of being a different being being a sure I'll say a different person than I was you know a couple of years before or at least a changed person than I was but um I think for me though love um comes in a lot of different forms. I think I, I've had love for things in a lot of different ways. And and um, it's it's an emotion that I think is both, I, I want to be able to express more and express how I feel about things and express this kind of, uh, you know, it's hard to, to describe love besides it being love, but, you know, to, just to express that kind of that, that appreciation for something or someone. But also, you know, it, 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 it it at times can be a very heavy thing to deal with when when you are, you know, falling for someone or falling out of love with someone or or kind of uh, managing, you know, that that when I, I think when I've split up with people, um, it's kind of this acknowledgement that like and, and when it really affects me, it's like, obviously, I, I do care about this person a lot. Things aren't working. Um, and it's better that we separate than for us to continue to destroy like whatever relationship we may have left um but it, it, it's interesting how it's like it's it's all it's to me it's like oh those are kind of two they're, they're, the love that may have started this relationship it's now transformed into something different where it's like obviously i've been with this person for a good amount of time and and, and shared a lot at least a, however long it had been shared that with them shared my that portion of my life and they shared that portion of their lives with me um some in some way um but 
how that kind of that that initial feeling kind of transforms and even when you're like feeling less close to someone feeling like this kind of this 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 uh this gap or like you know this space that is being created um how how you how you may still feel love but it's going to be for me at least it's a bit different it's a bit more uh melancholic maybe and a bit more like obviously this person has been a very important part of my life and has been uh just there but um it's it's not it's not in the same way that it was i guess if that makes any sense um i'm trying to gather my thoughts i feel like for me all of the different types of love that i experience they all feel very different and i can pinpoint how well not like i can't describe them necessarily but when i feel them or when i'm well i mean cuz you're always you're always feeling love if you have love for anyone or anything. That's like a constant thing. But like when I'm acknowledging that I'm feeling love um, for a certain person or a thing or a group or whatever, I can feel that it's different than like another type of love that I have. I don't know if this makes sense. But one thing I feel is that like the loss of that like person or thing like the pain always feels the same like no matter like whether it was like a family member or like a friend or like an experience or something like that it always feels the same and it's always really it it sucks but um yeah i don't know if that makes sense and for for let it be i like like you had said it's like not explicitly like a love song but like i had never thought of it that way until you like sent it in the chat and i was like hmm because i associate this song with like going out to like my local karaoke spot with my friends and then just like playing this song and like screaming it even though it's not like a screaming type of song but so yeah i i guess i associated with pre-pandemic karaoke and in that sense like listening to it made me think like wow i really like loved those times and those people and those moments and it also got me thinking like can like love and nostalgia be like synonymous to an extent because like like i mean like everything from the past is like with nostalgia so like romanticized and so like that's like a love like i don't <laughs> i'm literally not making any sense but yeah <laughs> Um, Allison, I could kind of relate to what you were saying because like I used to think of love as like a very like nostalgic kind of thing. Like I always felt nostalgia for the past, like with like friends and things like that. But like I'm trying to like move past that and like live more in the moment and live in the present, which I feel like let it be like kind of captures that same message because it's just about like basically like everything happens for a reason. So just like let it happen. Because like what will happen will happen. Um so yeah, I like the uplifting message of it. And um yeah, it's a great song. Let It Be was my third grade teacher's favorite song, I think. And he would just play it incessantly. Like every Friday we would get up and sing Let It Be or something. So that is, yeah, that is another like nostalgic interpretation of love. This is just like a brief thought on the different kinds of love. I think after thinking while everyone was talking, I arrived at like, yeah, I do experience different kinds of love, but then it's like, little different like spheres or pockets of love that are sort of combined onto certain people or certain experiences like you know domestic 
like family love, friendly love, romantic love. And, you know, you can put all of those onto you put put them on people and things in as many combinations as you like. I feel like that's the best way to ex- to explain it because like with a romantic partner, I feel like it's just like all the kinds of love. You're like, oh, they're your friend and, you know, you want to live with them and they're your family and then you romantic love. So that's why it could be intense because it's like all different kinds of love converging. But that that was just my thought on that. But go, go Beatles. Well, I just wanted to say thank you all for sharing these these beautiful pieces of music. You know, I think uh, like we talked about previously, or like I talked about previously, is is that um, all all these songs uh, uh, cover quite a range of of you know experiences and and places that people have been when they are either are in love or falling out of love, or you know, and 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 have have successfully uh, made it into our lives and 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 you know, maybe helped us to interpret this very complex uh, feeling. And, um, you know, I think one thing to keep in mind, though, for me, at least, is, that, you know, love songs are our love songs. They aren't love uh, in, a, in, in maybe a way that, that, that we usually think about it. But uh, so, you know, they, they love songs, like I said before, I think some of the greatest songs ever written are love songs. And there's a reason people keep writing them, because we all want to keep listening. And, uh, you know, hopefully that will be the case for this crazy little uh, experiment we call the human experience. But uh, I hope everyone uh, has had a really good night. I certainly have. And, um, you know, just love getting to hear other people talk about their favorite pieces of music because, you know, music is awesome. And, And, you know, we're in a very good place to be talking about music. So, yeah.